Welcome to the Unbound Healing Podcast. I'm Anne-Marie Garland, nutritional therapist and health coach at Grassfed Salsa, and with me is my co-host Michelle Hoover, certified nutritional therapy practitioner and writer of everything you'll find at Unbound Wellness. Here we share everything about overcoming health challenges from autoimmunity to hormone imbalance and more with holistic living, mindset shifts, practical tips, and a real food paleo approach. Remember our disclaimer, the content within this podcast is intended to provide general information and is not to be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now let's get on with the show. What's up, you guys? Happy New Year. It's just me for a little baby intro before we get into the episode. If you missed last week's episode, I announced that Anne had her baby. So she shared a little update on her Instagram. If you want to go wish her a congrats and see a beautiful picture, go to Grassfed Salsa on Instagram. Get that update from her. But like I said last week, you guys will not miss a beat here on the podcast. We worked really hard ahead of time um, to give you lots of content while she's gone, but she'll be back soon. And I'm just really excited for all that's to come. So two really quick updates for you guys. First, if you follow me on social media, you may have seen already that I am hosting my very first free webinar. Really exciting. Um, It is going to be on how to overhaul your gut health. So we're going to be going over a lot of basics, like why our gut health actually matters, how our gut health actually gets so bad, and a seven-step system for overhauling your gut health. You can watch it live on Thursday, January 11th at 7 p.m. Central Time. So that's a week from today. You really do want to see it live if you can. Uh, There's going to be some announcements and some things that I'm just going to say that you're going to want to see it live. But if you sign up, you can catch a replay as well. You can go to bit.ly slash gut health masterclass. And I will also leave a link in the show notes. That is one week from today. Um, Sign up and you'll get all the emails for how to do it. Last thing, a little bitty baby favor to ask of you guys. So Paleo Magazine puts out their best of paleo every year, and they just put out the nominations for 2017. And there is a category for best podcast, and we would be so honored and grateful if you chose us for that category um, or either one of our blogs for the food recipe category. We don't get any money for that or anything. It's literally just for fun and something that would make us smile immensely. Um, and yeah, we'd just be really grateful. So the link for that is also in the show notes, or you can go to bit.ly slash nominate unbound healing. I'm serious. How do you like that? But yeah, so we've got a Q and a for you today and let's go slide right on into it. Well, let's get into questions. Yeah, this week we are answering questions. We got three good ones from you guys, and we'll start with Jill. You want me to read it? Sure. So Jill says, I have been working since this past summer on healing iron deficiency anemia and NTHFR. In doing so, I've developed a big intolerance to alcohol. 
Also with any health journey, I've had ups and downs in how I feel. Some months I feel better than others. My naturopath is saying that it's likely my liver is overwhelmed with all that I'm doing and simply needs time to write itself. My question is, in y'all's health journeys, did you notice in the first few months of making sudden changes that symptoms of an overwhelmed liver popped up? Things like a sudden intolerance to alcohol. I know everyone is different and I don't need to be told this. I also don't drink often. These occurrences happen at specific celebrations and I happen to notice it only because of that. But I am looking to see if generally this is a common occurrence. Thanks. And then she gives us a little timeline here. So June, um, she began her health journey and started making major changes. Then July, she started the kind of alcohol intolerance. And August, still intolerant. And October, still trying to find an alcohol that doesn't make her nauseous after only a small portion. So do you want to start or do you want me to start? Yeah, I can start. Um, I haven't personally had issues with this, but I do know that when you start addressing MTHFR, your liver enzymes can become elevated. So my suggestion would be to ask your naturopath to see if they could do a comprehensive metabolic panel, which can test for a few different indicators of elevated liver enzymes. So there is ALT, is one test, and AST. So you'll want to make sure that those are included. They'll, they will be in a comprehensive metabolic panel though. And then from there, just start doing, you know, based on what the results are, you can start adding in like milk thistle um, is one really great liver support supplement. And then really talking to your healthcare provider to see what else you can do. But that's kind of all my suggestions. What about you? Um, yeah, so I did have a similar experience and basically what you could be going through is one of two things. I mean, we kind of call it these things. So like a healing reaction where things get worse before they get better, or it's actually just, you're kind of doing it, you're kind of pushing a little bit too hard and your body's trying to catch up. So that's likely what's happening right now. I did have a similar experience when I first started going on my health journey that things just got worse before they got better. And I had really bad migraines and I've always kind of been intolerant to alcohol. I'm not a drinker anyway, so it's never really been much of a problem. And you said the same, but um, yeah, so it's definitely a thing like this is not a uncommon thing that you're going through right now kind of having like a you know a bad reaction to something getting better and a lot of the time i mean the purpose of like a paleo diet or an aip diet or even like a whole 30 is us taking away you know something that could have been bothering us and then adding it back in so we're allowing our body some time to heal so allowing your body some time to heal could be it then saying that you're getting some, like like you have something like a histamine intolerance or something like that. So I would also think about that. I wouldn't necessarily, I feel like people so often associate the liver with alcohol. And that's like, if you're having issues with alcohol, like that's the number one place to look. And it could be for sure 
but I would also think about that as well. But anyway, yes, it, it, having a healing reaction is a normal thing. And then one thing that I think you want to talk about with your doctor is because I think it could be, for me, it would be a concern if I had something like this popping up, because if it's indicating that your liver actually is not doing the detox work that it needs to, or that it's overwhelmed and overworked, I would be worried like, okay, so is this work that I'm doing like even working properly, like I want it to. So I would go to your doctor and say, okay, do you think that my liver is overburdened or is it? So getting those tests done for sure. Like I would be concerned if my doctor was like, oh, it's probably this. I've had those answers from doctors before. I was like, no, no, I want to find out. Like, I don't want to just be like, oh, this man, because it could be something for sure. So I would go back to your doctor and say like, hey, this is really a concern for me. And I just really want to get this checked out. These are not super expensive tests to get. It's pretty routine. So I would talk to your doctor about that. But again, supporting your liver for sure. So milk, thistle, things like dandelion greens, castor oil packs, things of that nature. But again, it could be that you could be, it's a, could be a healing reaction looking into something like histamine intolerance or just kind of pushing too hard. So I would definitely take this as a, is something to, yeah, take back to your doctor and ask them about it a little bit deeper, but for everybody else listening, who's had a reaction to, you know, making a change in your diet, it's definitely not diet or lifestyle. It's definitely not uncommon and it for sure happens. Well, yeah. And it, it makes sense that, that Jill's liver would be kind of overburdened at this point because your liver is your detoxification organ and you're specifically working on MTHFR, which is going to be supporting detoxification pathways that likely were impaired over, like previously. So you may be just running a lot of toxins through that right now and it's just overwhelmed and overworked. And um, so you really need to support it and try to reduce as many environmental toxins as you can. And alcohol would definitely be part of that. So we will be talking later to see give some suggestions for another listener's question on how to indicate just like a few different ways to indicate to see if you're detoxing properly. Um, but I did, I also wanted to mention something that you brought up that this was like a healing reaction. A lot of times people, when they go on a elimination type diet, they will start to notice like reactions to things that they haven't previously been reacting to. And honestly, it's, it's kind of common and it doesn't mean that you've suddenly developed this reaction to whatever it is that you're reacting to in your case, alcohol, it could be something that you're dealing with before, but your body was like your liver wasn't processing the alcohol or your body's doing something to where you aren't able to notice the reaction. And then once it's eliminated and you reintroduce it, you start to notice these reactions, you know, more commonly. So this is, that's also not uncommon. I just wanted to throw that out there for anybody else who's experiencing something where like they start a healing journey and then all of a sudden a symptom pops up and that doesn't necessarily mean that that symptom was caused by the journey that you're on. It could be that this is like you're on the right path and you need to continue on it and eventually you'll heal and be able to reintroduce that food successfully. Mm -hmm. I agree. So, all right. 
let's move on to Amanda's question. So Amanda says she has two different parts here. So she's working with a functional medicine doctor, and one of his recommendations is to avoid toxins as an important to-do item. When it comes to personal care products and makeup, how bad is it really if you're dealing with diagnoses like HPA axis dysfunction, heavy metal and mold toxicity, in addition to multiple autoimmune diseases? Will switching out or not switching personal care items truly make an impact? Should we answer that one first and then go on? Yeah, well, we'll just like do the whole thing and then I want to answer the first one and you can do the second one. Perfect. So her second question is, I want to try some detox therapies like an ionic foot detox at a local healing spa. How do I know if my detox pathways are open and will be receptive to these therapies without just disrupting the toxins, moving them elsewhere in the body without them being released via those pathways? So I would really like to tackle the first one. At Go least for it. It's just because I have a lot of thoughts about this. I'd like to hear your thoughts as well. But so the number one thing when you are doing any detoxification protocol, just getting rid of the things that you're already putting every day into your body, because if you're going and doing, you know, foot baths and salts, caves and all that fun stuff, which is good. I'm glad that your doctor is telling you to do that stuff. Like that's all really good advice, but then putting like all these chemicals like on your body, like right after doing it, it's just kind of counterproductive. So doing that as your number one, like before I get into all this other stuff, I'm just going to look at all of the toxins in my environment and reduce it as much as I can. Again, that's as much as you can. I'm not ever going to tell anybody to go into their house and just like completely gut it of everything all at once. It's expensive. It takes time. But if you're really serious about, you know, like working with a functional medicine doctor and going and getting these foot baths and health spas and things like that, it's definitely something you want to address. And I have a personal experiment that I recently did that really showed this, how much of an impact reducing exposure has on detoxification and Oh my gosh. But (laughs) so I did my whole Merc. I'm laughing at myself. I'm like nervous to say this because I feel like I'm going to get like excommunicated from the crunchy people community, but this is real life. And this is why I say to people that you can't expect yourself to just like completely be perfect overnight. So Anyway, everybody knows that I've been doing the mercury detox thing. And when I got my heavy metal test back, I was really high in mercury and somewhat elevated in aluminum. It was not as alarming as the mercury was. And that was the advice that I got from my doctor. That was the advice that I was reading everywhere is first and foremost, reduce your exposure, get out whatever you think is causing this, get rid of it. And it's hard to say with heavy metals, like you don't always know. That's one of the main questions I've been getting when I've been telling people that I did this mercury detox. They're like, well, how did you get it? It's like, well, I can't be a hundred percent sure. I know that I didn't have amalgams. I know I ate a lot of fish. I know my mom had amalgams. Like I, I can't say exactly, but you just have to do your best you can and say like, okay, if I have aluminum, like I need to get rid of this. If I have lead, I need to look into these things, arsenic, look into these things. So just educate yourself with like, okay, what do you have and what do I need to get rid of? 
So I had mercury and aluminum. And I knew that one of my biggest, the biggest ways that I was adding more mercury into my body is was fish. So I completely cut out all big fish like tuna. Um, I don't really eat swordfish, but I did indeed swordfish. <laughs> um, I cut out things like tuna. That was a big one for me. So I cut that out, but, but, but I live in Texas and it gets really, really hot. And, Anne, I know I have no excuse for this because you live in Texas too, but throughout the process, you know, it was like 110 degrees here in the summer. And I still totally like on those days, I will still have to lean on like conventional deodorant sometimes, which is full of aluminum. And I was not as I didn't, I never really went through my kitchen. and was like, okay, what has aluminum? Like, am I sure this doesn't have aluminum in it? I'm sure this can is okay. Am I sure that like, I was not as intentional about the aluminum. So I was really intentional about the mercury, like reducing my exposure, not so much the aluminum. And when I got my test and then I went and did all these crunchy things that you're talking about. So doing the, I did the dry brushing and I did the infrared sauna and I did these expensive flushes with my, like the gallbladder, um, protocol that I did. I didn't do a flush that sounds spammy, but I did a protocol where I basically really supported my liver and gallbladder to detox. So I did all that stuff and I get the test back and my mercury was way down. My aluminum was exactly the same. So it's like, okay, what made the biggest difference here? All of this like crunchy expensive stuff that I did or reducing my exposure? Because if it was all just the crunchy and expensive stuff that I did, like my aluminum would have been a lot lower. Like I think it was a little bit lower, but the mercury was like way lower. And it's like, okay, so the problem was that I was exposing myself to these, myself to these things. And yeah, getting it out there, I'm sure helped because I have blocked detox pathways too, like especially like that liver thing that I did. I have MTHFR, like I needed to do that support as well. But I can't prove anything, but this is all just my own personal N equals one experiment. But I really feel looking at that, that the number one priority with people is just reducing your exposure. So again, if you can't switch everything over right now, that's fine. You have time and you're working with a doctor who's supporting you and you're in this community and you will get there. So don't feel overwhelmed. Like you have to do it right now, but get in the mindset of that. Yes, this is something that is important and something that I want to start working towards. So like we've talked about in that makeup episode, just getting, you know, finding, okay, what's the biggest offender? What's the thing that I use every day? Or what's about to run out that I can just replace? Or Christmas is coming. Well, cut that out. <laughs> I may have just slurred my words too much to even cut that out. We're recording this beforehand. Anne is having a baby, so sorry. But... <laughs> Your birthday is coming. I don't know. But so Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is coming. There you go. So (laughs) slowly moving towards transitioning and just getting in that mindset that yes, this is something that I want to think about. 
I love that you shared that story. I think that's really powerful. I don't want to ever overwhelm people and be like, oh, it's not good enough if you can't switch over all of your makeup. Like, it's just not good. Like, I don't want to be that person because it takes time for sure. But in reality, like, I know the truth of like, it's something you want to think about. So it's going to take time for sure. But in reality, like, if I'm being honest, Yes, you want to think about it and you want to be like, okay, I'm going to make this a priority. Well, and with that, and again, I feel like this can relate to a variety of different like contexts, not just cleaning out your makeup or trying to detox. But when it comes to making big, sweeping, like grand changes versus something that's slower, it's really important to know your own personality type and what's going to work better for you. Because would you rather do something that is more sustainable for you and that you can potentially like have long-term like longevity with these changes because you take it maybe a little slower rather than so maybe it takes you longer to get there but then you can you can like sustain it or does it make more sense for your personality to just jump right in and go cold turkey on all of it so figuring out kind of what type of personality you have and and what would work best for you it doesn't have to look the exact same for every single person these phased approaches so i in response to your story have like a couple things that I want to add to that. So I love that you were talking about how to focus first on eliminating and then supporting your body's detox pathways. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, I've used this analogy before, but the, what I like to think, how I like to think about detoxification is that if you are trying to like clean a landfill, you have to stop dumping trash into the landfill before you can clean it out. Because if you are working to clean it out and you're just continuing to dump trash into it, it's not, you're not getting anywhere. So eliminating the toxins from your environment first and then supporting your body to like clear everything out. And this is actually, so one of the projects that I've been working on for actually almost a year now, and it probably won't come out for another, I don't even know how long, um, but it is a detoxification program and that's how the program is going to be set up. So the first phase focuses on eliminating all of the toxins that you're exposed to on a daily basis. And then phase two focuses on supporting your body's own ability to detoxify. So with that, there's a variety of different things that you really need to think about. So it's not just body care products. It's not just your makeup, but it's also your household cleaning products and your diet and the way you're moving your body just to help support those, those pathways. So those are all different things that you want to think about. The other thing that I wanted to mention here is the knowing your genetics. And so getting 23andMe testing done, if you haven't already, I know Michelle, you have, were your detoxification pathways impaired from your 23andMe results? Um, yeah. They were? Well, yeah. so that's, well, that's good then. So even though you had those SNPs in your genetic coding, and you were still able to detoxify on your own without doing those, all those crunchy techniques that you were talking about. That's really good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I did use the crunchy techniques too. Right. Yeah. 
Um, so that would be my suggestion to you, Amanda, is to get 23andMe testing done if you haven't already so you can make sure that you are supporting your body's ability to detoxify if it has that issue and making sure. So some of the signs to know, you asked like, how do I know if my detox pathways are open and will be receptive? Having like one to three bowel movements a day is a good indication. Make sure you're drinking lots of water throughout the day. If you are circulating a lot of toxins, the whites of your eyes will be less white. They'll kind of just look a little bit more like creamy or yellow even. And then your comprehensive metabolic panel, which I was talking about earlier, can show elevated liver enzymes if you're having trouble detoxifying things. And then also you might be getting headaches. So this is another kind of suggestion for Jill just to make sure that you are detoxifying properly is kind of looking at those things and seeing what like if you feel like you're detoxifying properly or if these things are maybe impaired. And then I feel like there was something else I wanted to talk about. Oh, just with everything you're dealing with. So you said you're dealing with diagnoses like HPA axis dysregulation, heavy metal mold toxicity, and multiple autoimmune diseases. It's like 100% yes, you should be avoiding as many environmental toxins as possible. And just like Michelle said, starting with the things that are either the dirtiest, so on that EWG uh, iPhone app, you can check all of your products and see what's ranked the worst. And then you can go through and see like, okay, well, what is put directly onto my skin and absorbed? So maybe you want to clear out your face lotion and your foundation before you focus on clearing out your mascara because the mascara doesn't necessarily touch your eyelids, um, depending on how, how uh, I don't know, carefully you apply it. Um, so those are just different things that I would think about. And then, yeah, just like Michelle said, getting rid of the things that you put onto your body every single day. The other thing that I think is a good one to try to clean out pretty quickly because it's really not that expensive is your toothpaste because that's something that you're like ingesting in small amounts and also it's just a quick and easy fix it's I mean even clean toothpaste work really well so it's not like one of those things that you'll you might have to try a whole bunch to before you find a, a good one that you like all right last question so Jody asks, I really enjoy and appreciate your podcast. I have a question about natural sources of energy. I've tried maca, matcha, and MCT oil, three M's, but I'm still exhausted after seven to eight hours of sleep. I believe the energy loss is from my chronic migraine medication, which I am not able to get off of. I often reach for coffee to get through the day, but would rather not make a habit of it so I won't hinder my healing. I've been eating paleo-ish with the occasional Greek yogurt, oats, quinoa, or celebratory wine every now and then. Is this something that comes with time, or are there additional supplements, food combinations that you would suggest? All right, so my first suggestion would be to look at an adrenal panel to see what your cortisol is doing throughout the day. Dutch has an adrenal profile that you can 
get tested and that is less than $200. So there is a saliva test that you can also, trying to remember the name of that saliva test now. There's one that you can order online and it'll send you your results. And I believe it's around 100, but I do really prefer the Dutch panel. So if you can swing it, I would suggest running that one. And then also for you, so this is kind of a recurring theme in this podcast, um, getting your MTHFR status tested as well. So through 23andMe, and that way you can see how you are utilizing B vitamins. Because if you're not able to methylate B vitamins, then from either your diet or your multivitamin, I don't know if you're taking B vitamins as like a supplementation, but without the ability to methylate those, you're going to have a difficult time creating energy. And then, um, okay, so a few other things. If your adrenals are not working properly, we should do an adrenal podcast, I think, because yeah. this comes up a lot. For sure. So if your adrenals are not functioning properly, it kind of, it doesn't really matter how much sleep you get or the quality mm -hmm. of your sleep. You're going to have fatigue at different points throughout the day. So one thing I would have you look at just to see if you think this might be might be an issue for you without running the test itself or before you run the test is if you notice yourself feeling sleepy at particular times of the day. So when you run an adrenal profile test, you're going to be testing your cortisol at multiple points throughout the day. And there is a curve that your hormones should be taking. And if you are like not within range, you may experience periods of energy at kind of odd points of the day and then periods of fatigue at odd points of the day. So waking up really tired, your cortisol might not be where it's supposed to in the morning. And then maybe you feel great all afternoon. And then maybe you get really energetic at night when you should be like slowing down. So those are all going to be HPA axis dysregulation or adrenal fatigue and could definitely be causing some of your issues. Um, and it's also not uncommon for you to just be exhausted all day long if you have cortisol dysregulation and you're just in like really late stages of it because you may, your body may not be able to properly, um, create cortisol in general. So then, okay, seven to eight hours of sleep. Some people need more than that. I know that's kind of like our standard recommendation, but to be honest, I am a sleeper and I need like nine hours of sleep to really feel great. So I can totally deal with nine hours. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. So this is one thing that didn't come up during um, Sarah Ballantyne's podcast episode when we interviewed her, but she created a sleep program. And admittedly, I haven't read her sleep book. It's called Go to Bed, but we'll include it in the show notes here if you're interested. She's also talked about it in depth on her podcast. And that podcast is what really like made me want to figure out like how to optimize my sleep. Like it was very, very compelling. I remember at one point she talked about how studies were showing that one night of bad sleep had the same effect on like your overall health or in 
inflammation. I can't remember exactly what indicators they were looking at, but one night of poor sleep had the same effect as six months of eating a standard American diet. I mean, that is like incredibly profound. And so after listening to that podcast, I started implementing a lot of different sleep techniques and really prioritizing it. I mean, like reading, I have a salt lamp next to my bed. So I read by basically like orange light, which is good. Um, reducing blue light exposure right before bed. And I read before bed now and go to bed, like try to lay down around 9.30 or 10. I know this isn't doable for everybody, but if you can slowly start increasing these different techniques to really create like a bedtime routine and really help yourself start winding down, you will notice such a difference in the way that you feel. So those would be my suggestions. Oh, and also you can track the quality of your sleep. There's so many different sleep trackers out there now because just because you are getting seven to eight hours of sleep, that doesn't mean that's high quality sleep. You might not be getting into the restful stages of sleep. There are so many different things that can happen. The sleep tracker that I love and have been using for a year now is the Aura Ring. I've talked about it before on the podcast and we will again put a, a link in the show notes. They just came out with a new model that's a lot slimmer and really, really pretty. I'm actually a little jealous that I have the old version now, but it has really great sleep tracking capabilities and it doesn't emit, um, it doesn't emit like a Bluetooth signal until you connect it. So if EMF is a concern of yours, then the Aura Ring is like a better one versus some of the others out there like, uh, like the Apple Watch, for example. So, oh, and then a few supplements that you could maybe try, or I, I don't know if I would suggest trying them, but I guess I would suggest researching them and see what you think is CoQ10 and glutathione for energy support. Mm -hmm. Also, I've tried maca before too. I have never, I have only seen on the internet by somebody that I don't know, by many people that I don't know, saying that maca is like this superfood and how much they love it. I have never met a person in real life, like a client or a friend who truly enjoys maca and has seen benefits from it. <laughs> I agree. Never. I feel like most people are like, I'm so excited. They're like, I feel terrible. Yeah, I, I personally have never, and I used it for a long time. I put my daily smoothies, like I saw no benefit from it. So I don't know. It's one of those superfoods where I'm just kind of like, meh. MCT oil, um, the reason, if people are curious, the reason MCT oil can be really helpful is it doesn't have to be broken down in order to be converted into energy. So a lot of people do get a boost of energy from MCT oil. And then maca is similar to coffee, but because it's bound to a certain type of antioxidant, I think it's called a catechin, it is slower released into your bloodstream. So you don't get, you get more of a sustained energy from that versus caffeine from coffee, which is more of a spike. Th this also could, you know, your, your exhaustion could also be, I'm sorry, I'm like, just like going off on this. Go uh, for it. I think it's because I dealt with a chronic exhaustion for so long. So I, I have a lot to say and I sympathize with you because it is ter terrible. 
um, is blood sugar dysregulation. So mm. we just recorded a podcast on that that will be out, I believe, by the time this one comes out, right? Yeah, it should be. So the there's a blood sugar regulation podcast, and if your blood sugar isn't is isn't balanced throughout the day, that could also cause exhaustion. Mm. And that alone might be why coffee, depending on what your blood sugar actually is doing, why coffee helps you more than maca would because it would create more of a blood sugar spike. Mm -hmm. So that could be another thing to look at. All right, Michelle. That's great advice. I agree with pretty much everything that you said, but I'm going to kind of give a um, 10,000 foot view on this and <laughs> you're just talking about sleep so much. I'm literally sitting here yawning the whole time. You're like, sleep, sleep, sleep. I'm like, oh. yeah, <laughs> it's getting dark here. Meanwhile, uh, I've taken two naps today. <laughs> oh man. Third uh, trimester. Love it. Go on. So, um, when we look at your question, when we kind of go back to, so you believe the energy loss is from the chronic migraine medication, which you're not able to get off of. So my question is, are you working with a doctor to address the chronic migraines? Um, Have you before? Um, Where have you kind of landed with that? What kind of doctor was it? Was it just a standard allopathic doctor or was it a naturopath? What testing did you do for that? Like, have you really tried, you may have tried to get to the root to that. And this could, I could just be saying this for nothing, but I'm also saying this for everybody that's listening that is dealing with something that it's like, oh, I'm taking this thing and I can't get off of it. And it creates this thing. What do I do to combat this side effect? And there's really only so much like everything that we do to patch up a side effect. Like it's literally just putting out on a band-aid. So there's only so much that we can do to actually fix it in the body because it's not necessarily even the body doing something wrong. It's a side effect. So the way that I would, yeah, all of Anne's advice was great. And I think that that could for sure, like the adrenal and the blood sugar and like all that stuff, you definitely want to be looking into that because it could be part of it. But I also would not count out like, okay, what is the cause of this migraine stuff? And definitely, I mean, maybe you cannot get off the migraine medication. I am definitely not telling you to do that. Maybe you've already addressed this, but I would still take it back and back it up and be like, okay, how can I address this at the root of it rather than trying to come at it kind of, you know, after the fact already? So yeah, I guess that's how I would finish off that answer because that was a great answer yeah i think your point to that is really valuable as well and there's one thing that i recently heard from a podcast i can't remember whose it was but they suggested that their personally it was another n equals one experiment but it was based on research they had heard that deep breathing exercises could help stop a migraine or a headache before it starts and that that can like because a lot of people aren't breathing appropriately like for example people take let's say 70 percent fewer breaths when they're working in front of a computer than when they're just like doing anything else and so that's why a lot of people or the the hypothesis is that that's why a lot of people would be getting headaches and migraines in front of a computer rather than eye strain, which is the typical 
thought. And so people can mitigate this by being very intentional with like making sure that they're breathing enough and enough deep breaths. So the reason why I suggest that and bring that up is because that's something you can do like right now. You don't have to worry about like medication or talking to your doctor. Like I can't imagine that anything bad could come out of just testing yeah. and seeing like, hey, maybe if I take some deep breaths and my headache will go away. Yeah. And like I said, you may have already, like this could just be a moot point at this point and you may have already been down that road, but I think it's so important for everybody listening to remember that of like, okay, how do I address the entire, address the entire picture rather than just a symptom? Because so many people, when I get emails and DMs and one of the common things that people ask me is like, Hey, how did like you have Hashimoto's? How did you address hair loss with Hashimoto's? How did you address weight gain? How did you address headaches? How did you address PMS? Like all this stuff. It's like, I did not do anything different to address the hair loss than I did the weight gain for Hashimoto's. Like I looked at what was causing the Hashimoto's rather than like, okay, how do I like nitpick at all of these little symptoms? That's what allopathic medicine does. And that is why, you know, you walk into a doctor with Hashimoto's and say, oh, my hair is falling out and I'm getting headaches and I'm gaining weight. And they'll give you like five different medications for each symptom. And then each medication has a side effect. And then you, like, it, they just pi- it just piles up so quickly. So for everybody listening, if you're kind of in that point of like, oh, I'm just chasing symptoms, there definitely needs to be a point where you step back and say like, okay, well, what is causing this? Like, why am I having this whole issue, period? Like, what do I need to address to stop this? So again, that may or may not be applicable to you right now, Jody, but It's a good mindset to have. So those were our questions for this week. You guys, if you have any questions, we would love to add them to our spreadsheet. Just shoot us an email at unboundhealing at gmail.com. It's really helpful if they all wind up there. That's the best way for us to just kind of make sure that they all get answered. DMs and emails to other places and just kind of get buried. So it's if you want to send us a thing, that's the best place to send them. And we love answering these. So please keep them coming. No answer is too long or too short or too anything. We love them. Keep them coming. And what's your meal of the week? All right. So this is, I promise, not a copy of Liz's meal of the week or her what she's loving. I can't remember what she was talking about. But she shared that she was having like a chicken soup or something. So I have been having my food aversions have kind of returned in in the third trimester and not to specific foods, but just to food in general, like generally eating, even when I'm super hungry, like obviously I eat, but it's really hard. I have to like force myself because absolutely no food sounds appealing. The only foods that really were sounding good was soup. So Finally, I made a huge batch of bone broth in the Instant Pot, and then we added all of our, we made chicken for Thanksgiving, so we added all of the leftover chicken to it and leftover carrots and celery. We added parsnips to it and sea salt. Honestly, I think that's it. Oh, white rice. We also added a big bowl of white rice to it, and I froze 
I like packaged it up in mason jars, froze it, and have been eating it pretty much daily ever since. And it's just awesome. So I just like pull out one of the mason jars a couple days in advance, put it in the fridge, and it'll be thawed out. And that's two meals for me. So I'm getting a lot of great food, um, good nutrition, good healing food. And I like made it once and I'm eating a million times from it. It's really amazing. Sounds delicious. I love yeah. those. Last night we added the Simple Mills. I hate that it's called artisan bread, but the, it just sounds so pretentious. But okay. we made the artisan bread into dinner rolls last night, and I put baking grease and sea salt on top of them just to make Ooh. them, like, extra tasty. And, oh, my gosh, those rolls are so good. Aren't they amazing? <sighs> it's so delicious. Yeah, I made that at Thanksgiving. Oh, my gosh gosh it's yes so good. I make I um flatbread like pizza with that I don't like their pizza crust mix it's weird it's got like cauliflower in it and I actually like cauliflower pizza crust but in that one it's just weird but I love the bread mix and it makes a wonderful flatbread I really want to make bread sticks with it yeah so I I would love to make that too I asked James what he wanted and surprisingly he said I was like do you want a loaf dinner rolls or flatbread because those are the three options on the back of the box he's like dinner rolls I'm like what <laughs> like, who is this person <laughs> but they are so good they like have little pockets in them like actual yeast I I don't it was they're really really great yeah and when you look at the ingredients it's like how are they doing this with it like how are they it's just the perfect ratios they've figured it out if you can have really the only thing in there is like almonds right there may be flax I think, in there well too. yeah because you've made it with a gelatin egg right yeah mm -hmm. i make it with gelatin egg so you can do it with gelatin egg it definitely doesn't rise as much but it's totally doable so yeah, there's not a lot of reintro there if you're AIP. Yeah, I won't be able to have them after pregnancy, sadly, because I don't tolerate nuts well mm -hmm. when I'm not pregnant. You'll see. You'll see. Maybe things will change. You'll see. <laughs> things change. Bodies change. Yes, that's very true. All right. Well, that's it for this week. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Unbound Healing Podcast. Be sure to subscribe in iTunes and leave us a review. Until next time, you can find more from me, Anne, at grassfedsalsa.com and more from Michelle at unboundwellness.com. We'll see you next week. Bye.